For those of you who don't know, my name is uh, Stephen Brooks. I'm the student pastor here at uh, Centerpoint. Mo is on uh, is uh, teaching a retreat this weekend for uh, for Wildwood Church north of town um, for their men's retreat. So, uh, so I am uh, here with you this morning. Um, I was uh, I was thinking this week, and I remember um, when I was uh, when I was growing up. I grew up in. Uh, South Florida, right near Fort Lauderdale, and uh, and I remember one of one of my favorite times of uh, of the year was baseball season. I played baseball uh, growing up, and um, and I remember the uh, you know as as we passed Christmas and got into you know got into January, and uh, you know they they started uh, they started figuring out whose team everybody was going to be on, and then as we got closer to the spring, practices would start, and and I remember kind of just the the expectation of uh, of getting to play. Um, of getting to play again, and uh, and of you know just being excited about about that time, you know, as the you know get back to school, start talking to um, talking to my friends about uh, you know about whose team they're going to be on, and uh, and you know and, and knowing that that day was uh, was coming, you know, the closer the closer we got to it, the uh, uh, the more excited we would get, you know, as you start as you start practicing with each other, and as you start um, you know figuring out the positions people are playing and the things that you're doing is, it was kind of one of those things where the expectation just built and built and built as we got, as we got closer. And, um, uh, you know, and, and it was great because we knew, uh, we knew that what day it was, you know, we knew what opening day, uh, what opening day was. And so, and so we could, uh, you know, we could count down the days till, um, till it came. And, uh, and, you know, and I remember, I remember waiting like that and, and being excited, but I remember how, you know, it was, it was hard to wait, but at the same time, it was, it was good to know that, that there was kind of a, there was a finish line. You know, there was, there's a time when, uh, all right, all right, this Saturday uh, afternoon, I know that we're going to get on the field. We're going to get to, uh, we're finally going to get to play a game and, uh, and, and it's going to be great. Um, right now, my wife and I are, are in the middle of waiting for, uh, for our next child to be born. And so he's going to be born any, any day here now. And, uh, and, it's one of those things that uh, that's a little bit harder to wait for because you don't know you don't know when that day is uh, is going to be here. You know, it could be five minutes from now. Um, and uh, so uh, you know, uh, so it's so it's a little bit harder to uh, you know to wait because you don't know um, you don't know when uh, when it's going to be here. I remember with uh, with our our first uh, child, Emily. We um we were living in Orlando and and I remember I don't I don't know what we thought we didn't really know what to expect but but the doctor said all right the baby's going to be here early. So I remember for probably close to two weeks, we went out to dinner like every night saying, all right, this is the last time we're going to go out to dinner. We're going to get to go out to dinner before this baby's born. And uh, I don't know if we thought that like our lives would end once the baby came, but, uh, um, but, but, you know, we kept, we kept going and thinking, all right, this is our last celebration. You know, we're going to, uh, and then, uh, and then the next day, nothing would happen. And we'd go, you know, I'd go to, I'd go to school, she'd go to work and we'd come back and we'd be like, all right, maybe this is the last night that we got. And, and it was kind of this, you know, this waiting of, you know, when, when is it going to be here? When is it going to be here? And, and, you know, when we, uh, when, when we wait like that, it, it, sometimes it gets, it gets really difficult because, you know, because you get your expectations up, you know, you take every little, uh, every little clue or every little sign as, um, as a sign that maybe, uh, that maybe it's the time, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's the, maybe it's the day. And so, uh, and so it's harder to, uh, to wait. And I think, how often do we feel like we're waiting on uh, something? Maybe we're, you know, waiting on, waiting on a new job. Maybe we're waiting on graduation. Uh, maybe we're just waiting for our situation uh, in life right now to, to, get a little bit, uh, to get a little bit better. Even in our faith, we can often feel like we're waiting on God. 
right? We wait, uh, we wait for his guidance. We wait for his timing. And, uh, and sometimes I feel like we're even just waiting for Jesus to come back and, uh, and can't wait for, uh, for that day. I think about what the scriptures say about, about heaven and, and the fact that there's not going to be any pain or sorrow. Uh, and, um, and I think, gosh, won't that be, uh, won't that be great? Uh, I can't wait for, for that day to, uh, to come. I, I feel that uh, especially um, when, uh, when, I, you know, when there's weeks like this week where I got a phone call from one of our, from one of our college kids who said that her, uh, her grandpa had gone into the hospital. And then a couple days later, she called to say that, that he had passed away. And so, you know, and, and when I hear things like that and, and, you know, working in student ministry for nine or 10 years now, you know, I've, I've gotten all kinds of phone calls about, about kids in car accidents, about kids with uh, cancer, you know, all these different things. And, and when you get those phone calls, when you go through those, those experiences, you think, gosh, heaven can't get here quick enough. You know, I can't wait for, uh, for that day when those things won't be around anymore. But, but the reality is that, that that day is not here yet. So what do we do in the meantime? What do we do while we wait? Some, some Christians feel like they've got to spend all of their time figuring out when that day is going to be. And they put lots of effort and lots of time into doing that. Some, some Christians just kind of put their head down and, and march forward and, and try not to get in anybody's way and, uh, and hope that, uh, and, you know, and, and try not to uh, get influenced by anything around them and, and just try and make it. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and just try and keep their, um, you know, just try and push through and, and keep going. But what does Jesus say we should do? What do the scriptures say about our role in the world as we wait? Last week, Mo picked up again on our, on our series looking at the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going to read it for us again, uh, again this morning. It's from the, the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And this is Jesus talking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what is it? Uh, last week, Mo talked about, uh, talked about the kingdom of God a little bit. And so, so this week we're talking about your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, is that, what does that mean for us? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I think the first thing that, that we can see is that God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven gives us a model for our life. Last week, Mo talked about the kingdom of God uh, and uh, is like, uh, what it's like in heaven. He said, any idea we have of what it's going to be like is an understatement. There's no way we could possibly fathom the, uh, the greatness of being in the presence of God. What makes it so wonderful is that it's full of the glory and goodness of God. There's nothing to hinder that. There's nothing to separate us uh, from that. And what makes it heaven is that no one there can deny the extent of his glory. There's no one in heaven that, that sits and says, gosh, I wonder if God is real. I wonder if God is good. I wonder if God is worthy of worship. There's no one that sits there and says that. They know uh, because they see the greatness of God. And so, and so that's what makes it heaven. Everyone worships completely and without fault. There's no idols or anything to draw them from worship of God to something else. And I think a lot of times that's where, that's where our pain and suffering uh, comes from. It's worshiping and our frustrations. It's worshiping things other than God. It's believing that, that other things in our life are going to give us more satisfaction than being in the presence of God. Well, people in heaven, the angels in heaven, they, they, don't, they don't think that for a second. They don't doubt uh, what it's like to be in the presence of God. 
And that's where joy and peace come from. Our joy comes from glorifying him and, uh, and enjoying him. And in, when we're in heaven, we will do that perfectly. So God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven is God's plan to bring that kind of worship and the acknowledgement of God's glory to the earth, that we could experience that here like, uh, like they do in, uh, in heaven. To see more and more people come to believe him, to trust him, to know him, and to worship him like, uh, like that. This has been the plan from, uh, from the beginning of time. And it's what scripture teaches from the first word to the last. Look at, uh, look at these passages from the book of Isaiah. He says, Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. In Revelation, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so we have this picture in scripture over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament of, uh, of the new heavens and the new earth, of this, of this place where, where people will worship God, where they will know, they will acknowledge, they will, they will bow, all right? It says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That's the, that's the direction that our world is going. And, uh, and that's what it means for, uh, for God to bring uh, heaven to, uh, to earth, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven that people would know him and, uh, and worship him. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth, so the picture of heaven we see is a good model for our lives now. When we look at where their peace, where their, uh, where their joy comes from in heaven, it's from being in the presence of God. It's from worshiping him. It's from, it's from seeing his provision. It's from seeing and experiencing uh, his goodness in, in their lives. And so it's the same for, uh, for us today. We experience peace and joy from worshiping in God's presence. We can know the same joy that they know there. Even though it's, it's not perfect, we can know uh, that joy. We can know that peace as we draw closer to him. If we want to persevere through, through trials and tribulations of, uh, of this life, if we want to, uh, if we want to, to push through and, and, um, and, see, uh, and see the end, we need to start by worshiping God. And taking joy in the fact that we know that we can know him and that he loves us. When I read things like the, like the Lord's Prayer, my, my tendency is to say, all right, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do I need to do? What, is that, what does that mean for me? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to, uh, how am I supposed to live? And, and I think that, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute, but I think the place that we've got to start from is, is a place of, of resting in him, of being in, in his presence, of, of regularly experiencing his goodness in, uh, in our life. We can't go and do anything until we experience his, his grace, until we know forgiveness, until we know, uh, know what it means to have a father who loves us more than anything in the world. We have, we have nothing to offer uh, the um, uh, God's, God's kingdom on earth if we, uh, if we are not spending time in, uh, in his presence, if we are not relying and resting on, on him, if we're not trusting him in, uh, in every circumstance. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. And, and that's obviously the difference between here and heaven is that, is that we experience the disappointment, we experience the frustration of, of not being able to, uh, uh, to, to worship him perfectly. We, we, I experience the frustration all the time of, of, uh, of trying to hold on to things that, uh, that, don't, that don't mean anything. To, of trying to uh, of trying to, to you know gather all kinds of stuff or or of trying to um, 
uh, trying to turn relationships into, uh, in, into, the, into where I get ultimate satisfaction. And, and, I, and I tend to try and take all these things and turn them into, uh, in, into idols, into things to, to worship. And when we look at the model of heaven and when we look at what, uh, what it means for, for God's will to be uh, done on earth like it is in heaven, it's, it's, it's pushing those things aside. And it's looking at and worshiping the thing that, uh, that is really worthy of our worship, our creator, our father in, uh, in heaven. And like I said before, this, was, this is the plan of God from, from the beginning, that he would make himself known to the world, that he would make himself known to, uh, to creation, and that he would usher in his, uh, his kingdom on earth, that we would get to experience, um, experience him in, uh, in part before we, uh, before we get to experience him in the fullness of, uh, of heaven. John, uh, John Piper is a, uh, is a pastor who's written, uh, who's written a bunch of books, and, and he wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And, and he says this, he says, God glorifies himself among the nations with the command, delight yourself in the Lord. His first and great requirement of all men everywhere is that they repent from seeking their joy in other things and begin to seek it only in him. A God who cannot be served is a God who can only be enjoyed. The great sin of the world is not that the human race has failed to work for God so as to increase his glory, but that we have failed to delight in God so as to reflect his glory. For God's glory is most reflected in us when we are most delighted in him. And so he says, you know, he's saying we can, we can work hard. We can, we can try and do all the right things. We can try and be uh, the, um, the, right, the right person. And if we're not enjoying being in the presence of God, if we're not enjoying knowing uh, that God loves us, if we're not enjoying knowing the, uh, the provision of God, the presence of God in our lives, if, if, we don't, if we don't know those things and if we don't appreciate those things in our life, we, um, we're, not going to, uh, we're not going to be able to, uh, to, ser- to serve him. We're not going to be able to, to be in relationship with him. You know, he's not saying that, that we don't serve God. The scriptures are, are full of, of places that talk about our need to serve God. But, but a lot of times when we talk about serve, we, t- we, think, we think of duty. We think of obligation. We think, you know, I've, I've got to do this. And, and yet what, what God wants us to know and what, and what um, the, uh, the worshipers in heaven know is that, is that we want to be where God wants us to be because that's the best place for us. You know, if we... Um, if we are trying to do things on, on our own, then we're always going to be disappointed. But if we want to experience real joy in our life, it's not, it's not trying, to, trying to do fun things. It's not trying to do all these things. Real joy comes first and foremost from resting in him, from knowing uh, our God. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're always having, a, having fun being delighted in him because sometimes God wants us in difficult places, facing challenges to show that he can provide for us and that he cares for us. What it does mean is that we would rather be where he has us because we know it's the best place for us. We talk about God being all-knowing and all-powerful, but those things don't help us unless he's also good, unless he also cares for us uh, more than anyone else, more than we even care for ourselves. And that's what, and that's what we have. That's the reality of our relationship with, uh, with God is that not only do we worship him because he's, because he's big, because he's great, because he deserves to be uh, worshiped, but we worship him because he has our best interests at heart, because he created us, because he, because he loves us, because he cares for us. Because even in our worst moments, even in our, uh, even in our biggest failures, he still loves us. Even in our biggest trials, even in, in the biggest difficulties that we face, 
his plan for us is still good. And he's still working those things out uh, for our benefit because he, uh, he loves us. First Chronicles 16, 31 says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. This is the goal of, uh, of God for our world, that the world would proclaim that God reigns, that they would know that, uh, that he is God and, uh, and that he would reign not only over the world, but that he would reign in, uh, in our lives and in our hearts. He uses his reign in our lives as we rest and rely on him to draw people around us to himself. And I think that's the, uh, that's the second thing we need to know is that God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven gives us a mission for life. Not only do we have a model for, for perseverance as we, as we wait for, for Christ to return, but we have a mission to accomplish in the meantime. We have the privilege of displaying the presence of Christ and his kingdom to the world. You see, our, our job isn't to just sit around and wait, right? It, our, we, have, we have a mission. We have, we have a job to, uh, to accomplish. It's like John Piper said, reflecting the glory of God to the world around us. A couple, uh, a couple nights ago, my wife Kelly and I um, got to go out and uh, eat dinner and, and see a movie, and we went and saw uh, Valkyrie with Tom Cruise about, um, about the, uh, the Nazis and, and the, the um, German plot to kill Hitler. And, and uh, one of the things that I always notice about, uh, about those movies, and, and really even about you know, history when you look at pictures, is that, is that one of the first things uh, dictators do when they take over a country is they put their picture everywhere. Right? You see every room, every office, every street has, uh, has pictures of, uh, of the dictator. Right? Obviously, the guy can't be everywhere at once, but he wants everyone to know, no matter where they go and no matter what they're doing, who's in charge. Right? They want to know, uh, they want to they remind everyone who they answer to. And I think, and, and that's what God is doing with, uh, with us. As he calls people to himself, as we, uh, as we trust and as we believe in him, he is letting the world know that he, uh, that he reigns. As God, as God reigns in our life, as he, uh, as he changes us, as he, as he makes us different, he's, uh, he, he's showing the people around us uh, that, he, um, that he is in control. We reflect his, uh, his glory. This is our calling as, as believers, to be evidence to the world that God is real, that he's in charge, and that he's also good. The coming of, of God's kingdom uh, to earth was begun through the presence and power of Christ in the world. His righteousness, his, uh, his miracles, all the things that he did ushered in the beginning of the kingdom of God on, uh, on earth. Look at, what, uh, look at what Jesus says in, uh, in the book of Luke. John the Baptist has heard about the things that, that Jesus is doing, and so he sends some of, some of his disciples to, to ask Jesus uh, and, uh, and talk to him. And so, uh, and so this is where we, uh, where we find ourselves. And it says, calling two of them, uh, John sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who, who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus began to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth through healing, through justice, through the preaching of the word. 
Think about how we described heaven earlier. It's a place where there's no sickness. There's no, uh, there's no disease. There's no sadness. And where, uh, and where God is known, where, where people worship him perfectly. Well, this is, what, this is what Jesus brought to the earth. He healed people. He, uh, he brought people back from the dead. He, uh, he gave dignity to, uh, to people who were considered unworthy. The process of bringing the new heavens and new earth to our world was just begun. And now that kingdom continues as we wait in expectation for the fullness with a mission. Like, uh, like he says in, uh, like the, the scriptures say in Micah 6.8, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. This is the mission that we have been called to, to know God, to walk with him, and to be passionate about the things that he is passionate about, to love the things that he loves, to love righteousness, to love, uh, to love goodness, uh, to, uh, to love humility, to, to strive to, to, serve, uh, to serve God the way that we uh, the way that we're called to. All of these things bring us to a place where we are reflecting the glory of God, where people look at our lives and they see how God has provided. They see uh, how our lives are changed. They see how we, uh, how, how we can be humble. They see how we can care for people who are, who are unlovable. Uh, we, they can see how, how we can do all of these things and they see how it's nothing, it's nothing in us. It's God working through us. And as, and as we are able to do those things, as we see God changing our hearts and our minds, changing our desires, uh, as, even as we see God allowing us to, to enjoy him, uh, then, then we have the opportunity to proclaim his name to, uh, to the people around us. Richard Pratt was a seminary professor of mine, and, and he wrote a book called Designed for Dignity, talking about... Um, Talking about the dignity that we all have. Sometimes we, we focus so much on, on, how, on how messed up we are, on how, on how often we fail. And, and yet he talks about the, the incredible privilege that we have as, as believers, the incredible uh, mission that God has called us to. And this is what he says. He says, everything we believe, do, and feel should be designed to fulfill God's purpose of establishing his glorious kingship over all the earth. One of the most remarkable things taught in the Bible is that God has determined to bring about the kingdom on earth in a particular way. He was chosen to work out the plan for his ultimate glory through a special instrument. What is that created means by which the kingdom of God will come on earth as it is in heaven? That instrument is the human race. It is the unique role of bringing the kingdom of God to fruition and the wonderful destiny of sharing in its glory. What an incredible job God has given us. What an incredible way to pass the time as we wait on his return. To make known his glory to the world. To make known his goodness to the world around us. This mission gives us purpose for every aspect of our lives. We no longer just work, but we work in such a way that people see the character of God in us. We no longer just get married, but we reflect the selfless love and commitment of God to each other. We no longer serve others out of duty or obligation, but out of a desire for them to experience the grace and love of God like we have. We no longer have to be right, but we long to be humble. We long to put others before ourselves. This is the job, this is the task that God has given us. It's not an easy one. The only way that we can do it is through his spirit, is through his, uh, is his, through his changing us, through his working in, uh, in our hearts and in our lives. Like we talked about before, it's our, it's our coming back over and over again to our knees. Like Mo talked about last week, the importance of, of prayer, uh, that, that we would know 
uh, a relationship with him, that we would experience what it means to, uh, uh, to, to walk with him. And as we experience that, we, we reflect his glory. How have you seen the kingdom of God reflected into your own life recently through other people? And how is God calling you to display the kingdom of God to people around you? Why has God put you where he's put you? Why are you at the place that you're at right now? Maybe it's at a job you don't really like. Maybe it's in between jobs. Maybe it's, uh, uh, maybe it's in a place where you don't feel like you've got a lot of friends or a lot of relationships. Maybe it's in here at, uh, at school in a city that you, that you didn't grow up in and that you came not really knowing many people. Why has God put you where he has put you? It's because he's given you a mission. He's called us to reflect his glory through, through the big things and the little things that we do, where we, where we acknowledge his goodness and where we see him working and making us different from the world around us. I read a book recently uh, called Same Kind of Different as Me. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting story and, and it goes, uh, it goes back and forth and it's, and it's these two guys and each, one of the great reasons I love it is because each chapter is like three or four pages long, so <laughs> it's perfect for me. Um, and, uh, and, and it goes back and forth with these two guys, uh, talking about their, uh, their perspective on the, uh, the relationship that we have with each other. The, the one guy is, uh, his name is Ron Hall and he is, um, he, he was from Texas. He grew up in Texas. And, uh, and he was a, a millionaire art dealer. All right? he, uh, he, he would buy and sell uh, millions of uh, paintings that were worth millions and millions of, of dollars. And, uh, and so the, the first part of the book is about how he, uh, how he grew up and how he got to uh, the place where he got, where he was um, you know, obviously very, uh, very comfortable in, uh, in his lifestyle. And, uh, and the, other, the other person is Denver Moore, who... Um, who spent close to 30 years working in Louisiana uh, uh, sharecropping in, uh, in fields. And the, when he describes it, it's, it's pretty much the, the closest thing to slavery you could, uh, you could experience in the 20th century. And, uh, and this is how, how this guy, Denver, uh, grew up. And, uh, and he ends up uh, doing that for a lot of his life. And then he jumps on a train and, uh, and takes it to, uh, to Texas and ends up being homeless on the streets of, uh, of Fort Worth, Texas. And, and the story is about how these two guys from completely opposite worlds uh, end up running into each other and, uh, and how, they end up, how they end up meeting, how they end up becoming acquaintances and eventually becoming best friends. And, uh, and as, uh, as, as Ron Hall, the, uh, the millionaire, talks about, you know, they, they met at a, uh, at, a, at a shelter serving food where his, uh, where his wife had, had dragged him to. And, and she said, I feel like there's somebody here that God wants you to, uh, um, to be in their life, you know, and, and he talks about, you know, all of his doubt and all of his cynicism about, uh, about what God could possibly have uh, for him in, uh, in this shelter feeding, uh, feeding homeless people. And, uh, and so the story goes on, and it's a great story about that, about how these two, uh, you know, connect and, uh, and begin to develop a, um, a friendship, and, and like I said, eventually become best, uh, best friends, helping each other through some really difficult things. But they come to, they come to a crossroads in a uh, in their relationship, where they've been hanging out a little bit, and uh, and um, and Ron Hall, uh, the millionaire, asks, asks Denver. He says, "Will you be my friend?" And uh, and and when you and when you look at and when you read about Denver's story, he he hasn't really had many friends in uh, in his life. 
You know, he's never had, he, he never had anyone who, who treated him with dignity. He, ever, he never had anyone who, who really uh, cared for him except a few people who had, who had died um, uh, long before their, their time. And so, uh, and so he'd never really experienced true friendship. And so it's kind of funny, uh, the, you know, the guy says to him, will you be my friend? And he says, I'll think about it. <laughs> and so they leave and, and they come back and they have breakfast again a, a couple days later. And, um, and, uh, and Denver says to him, he says, uh, I've been thinking about that question you asked me, you know, and he's like trying to roll back in his mind and he's like, you know, about us being friends. And, uh, and, and he talks about, um, he tells a story about how he's heard that some people, uh, when they fish, like to catch and release. Where they, uh, where, they, where they go and they put all this work into, into uh, fishing and they catch something and then they just throw it back. Right, and, and, uh, and, and, Denver, and Denver's like, I don't understand why people would do that. You know, he says, we, I, when I fish, I work hard for that fish. I'm going to eat it. And, uh, and, you know, and so he says, the thing that I'm worried about in getting into a friendship with you is that, is that you're just going to catch and release me. He's like, I'm worried that you're in it for some, for some, other, for some other reason. And that you're going to be my friend for a little bit because, because it makes you feel better or whatever. But, uh, but eventually, you're just going to, uh, you're just, you're just going um, to release me. And he's like, that's not what I'm interested in. But if you are interested in a real friendship, then I would love to be your friend. And, and from then on, you see how the impact that, uh, that, they, have on, that they have on each other. But you see the, the incredible impact that, that this one Christian can have on somebody else just by, just by caring for him. Just by, just by showing him dignity, by looking, by looking him in the eyes and, and talking to him, by befriending him, by, uh, by doing something, uh, by loving someone who, who seemed unlovable, by, by doing an uncommon thing, he displayed the glory of God. And this, is, and this is what Jesus is talking about in this prayer. When he says, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he's saying, I want to see things like this happen everywhere. He says, I want to see my people do incredible things in my name. He's like, he says, I want to see uncommon goodness sweep throughout the world, that, that you would be able to point to and proclaim the glory of God. That we would take the, op- he wants us to take the opportunities that he puts in front of us to display the characteristics of the kingdom of God, humility, mercy, forgiveness, Righteousness, justice, grace. We can live these things out in our friendships, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our parenting. We can live this way for the glory of God. He's given us the ability to do it. His spirit is in us, working, working in us, changing us to bring about his kingdom on earth. I remember one season when, uh, when I was playing baseball, we went through that same, uh, that same thing. We were getting excited. All my friends, you know, were talking when, and finally opening day came and, uh, and we had, um, we had one of the, the largest little leagues in the country. So, so little league was a, was a big deal in, uh, in our city. You know, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. And so we have this big opening day where everyone would stand out on the field and, and they'd have all these different ceremonies. And, uh, and then, um, and then finally, you'd get through the whole morning, and the first game would uh, would start at uh, at noon. You know, there were fields all over the park, and so uh, and so my friends and I went to go watch the first game for uh, for our age group, 
and, uh, and the guys were warming up, and you could tell everybody was so excited to, uh, you know, to finally get to be, uh, to be playing. And, and the, the, before the first pitch was thrown, they're, they're warming up in the, uh, in the infield, in the outfield. The pitcher's taking his last warm-up throws. And, and the last thing they do before the, before the first pitch is thrown of, uh, of the first inning is the, catch, is the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher. Catcher gets up and throws it down to second base, right? So, so, so they can practice uh, in, case somebody, you know, in case somebody's stealing. And so, so that's the last thing they do before, uh, before the season starts. And so, and so the, pitcher, uh, the pitcher on the mound winds up and he throws and the catcher, you know, catches it, jumps up and throws a strike right down to, uh, down to second base. I mean, it was a perfect throw. And, uh, and the, the shortstop, who was a friend of mine, who I knew was so excited, uh, was there and he goes to catch it and he misses the ball and it hits him straight in the nose and breaks his nose. All right. There's, there's blood everywhere. They call the ambulance. Uh, the game is postponed for like, you know, a half an hour while they, uh, while they, while they take, uh, take care of him. And, uh, and before the first pitch is even thrown, all right, and he's out for the season, right? The rest of the season, he sat on the bench uh, with his nose, you know, all taped up and his face all black and blue, uh, watching everybody else get to play. He had the same expectations that we did. He had the same excitement, uh, and, and the, he went through the same weight that we did, and he never got to play. He never got to play a single pitch. So how are you going to wait? Are you going to just bide your time until things are easier or more comfortable? Or do you believe that God has put you here for such a time as this to bring the kingdom of God to the place where he has you right now? My prayer is that knowing God's glory and experiencing his goodness would motivate you to be passionate about seeing his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning only able to imagine what it must be like in heaven to not know pain or sorrow or disappointment or frustrations even with ourselves and our failures, but to worship you, to know the peace and the joy that comes from being in your presence, of never doubting, of knowing that you are real, of seeing your glory firsthand. God, thank you that that you've called us to a mission. That as we experience the joy that comes from knowing you, that we would be able to reflect your glory to the world. God, we pray for our own lives that that you would change us, that you would change our selfishness, that you would change our dishonesty. God, that you would change the things about us that we hate the most that you would turn our weaknesses into your strengths, that people around us would see us and see something different, that they would know that that something has happened, that something great has happened, that you have come, that you've come into our lives and that you've changed us. God, show us why you've put us where you've put us now. It's easy to to be frustrated, to, uh, to be where we don't feel like we want to be. And yet we know that you're good. We know that your plan is perfect. So you've put us here for a reason. God, encourage us this morning with what you would have us do. Show us how we can share the grace and mercy that we know in you with others. 
God, that there would be no doubt when we walk, that we're walking with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Centerpoint Church's weekly podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.cptchurch.com.